When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the On the Forecheck podcast. Certainly a lot of crazy stuff to get to today. I'm Nick Morgan. I am a writer at On the Forecheck, and I am joined, as always, by the Courtney Kardashian to my Travis Barker, Sean C. Smith. Sean. Courtney Kardashian? Courtney what, Kardashian. What is which one she? Don't act like you don't keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> I just see it feels like there's so many Kardashians that yeah. I can't keep up with the Kardashians. She's like the brainy one, like the first one that became a mom. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, she's like the like the the classic one. Okay, I thought I I thought I got to be Travis Barker for a second. He seems pretty cool. No, I get to be Travis Barker. Oh, fine, whatever. Yeah, either I'm way. assuming I have more money than you then. Uh, probably both in the context of real life and in the context of this analogy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I actually do have two kids, so they run me pretty poor. Yeah, I have a dog and I love to order carry out. So either oh. way. All right. Hey, hockey, Sean. Yeah. Want to talk about hockey? Well, we have a fun show today. Uh, Crazy Charlie Sanye, you know him as Crazy Charlie on the Twitter sphere. He is the host of Renegades of Puck. He's going to be joining us here in a little bit. Uh, Sean, you obviously work with him every day on Renegades of Puck TV. Dude, this guy, he he can make a speech that sounds like something that you would see a president address the nation with. I could I could listen to him talk all day. I love it. And he's got incredible stories. If you get a chance to if you get a chance to talk with him, it's it's incredible. If you get a chance to actually hang out with the man, it's even better. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. You know what's not awesome, Sean? The Nashville Predators are starting the season 0-2. Will they get a win this season? The answer is yes, <laughs> but so far it hasn't happened yet. Predators started with a rough opening night against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, They followed it up with a performance that I thought was a little bit better against a very good Carolina Hurricanes team, but they couldn't get the win in that one either. So, 0-2, Sean. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not sounding the alarm bell. It's, it's the first two games of the season. I'm I'm not worried about it. I think it's going to be fine. And when I say fine, I don't mean clearly the Preds are going to win the cup. What I mean is you're not looking at a disaster season. You're not looking at a, uh, you know, that you're tanking for somebody's season. I think things are going to be fine. You're just going to need to give it a minute to let the ship ride itself. And I think things will work out. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can really tell too much about this team this early on. I mean, there are some high points and some low points. Uh, Special teams yet again, seems like that's going to be a story, at least for the first little bit. Um, But, you know, beyond that, it's two games and 
I, I like I said, I think there's some positives and negatives you can take away from it, but I'm not looking at this and going to make any rash, I guess, decisions or judgments about the entire state of the Predators team based on two games. Yeah, no, it's it's not. It's fine. I think anybody who's panicking is panicking early. Right. And again, like we said, a lot to like about the first couple of games. Uh, for me, one of the big standouts to me has been the top line. Forsberg, Duchesne, Johansson. Everybody was kind of wondering uh, with that big money line. I'm not exactly sure what we call that line. I think somebody on, t- somebody on Twitter had a very good line for them. The 925 line. Hmm. Little nod to Dolly Parton there. Yeah. Always going to get the win. Uh, like but that. no. And so far, I mean, what do you think of their chemistry? I think they've gone together pretty well. Well, you know, I, I think when you say, you know, chemistry, I mean, let's look. You've had Johansson and Forsberg working together for a long time. They're definitely not strangers to one another. Um, and when you add Duchesne to the mix, you know, I've always felt like Forsberg and Duchesne worked very well together. Um, I think they, they play – I say they complement each other. It seems like Forsberg's willing to do the dirty work when he needs to. And that kind of frees Duchesne up for some finesse. And I think it happens the opposite way. Duchesne's willing to go in the corners and do the hard things when he needs to. And that frees up Forsberg to do the finesse stuff. So I think it's a good line. I think it's a good plan. And I think what we've seen so far is positive. I like the chemistry. I like what they're doing. I just want to see it happen every night. Again, two games is not a very large sample size. Talk to me after we hit 15, 20 games. But so far, so good. I want to see more of it. Yeah, another guy I have to give a shout out to. The guy I think might have been the Preds' best player for the first two games might have been their best player towards the end of last season, and that's Mikhail Granlund. Oh, uh, huge. I mean, what, you know, who would have thought a, a scoring winger you get in a trade two years ago that looked like a dud? Uh, it's suddenly become the perfect number two center that you've been looking for for literally the past five years. Um, you know, the term I would use to describe Grant, you know how, you know, sometimes, you know, your offense looks disjointed and, you know, your defense is kind of shaky and you just look messy on the ice. I've noticed whenever Mikhail Granlund is on the ice, the other team looks messy. Yeah. And I think that is a testament to how well he does in the defensive zone, because we know he's he's a high score. I mean, he's top 60 points a couple of times in Minnesota. His defense is very underrated. I mean, he's all over the place, blocking passing lanes, uh, kind of making people go out of where they should be. And then, you know, on the offense, he's just so active, you know, with the puck handling, with, with kind of moving around, changing passing lanes, kind of opening up different spaces on the ice. He, his hockey IQ is, is through the roof. And I think that is what makes him such a great player, especially under Heinz's system. And I think, I think you mentioned Heinz's system. And what's interesting was your, your choice of words that it looked like it was going to be uh, a bad deal. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from, the way he was being utilized and the way he was playing under La Violette. And it seemed like once Hines came on board, things kind of took off for Granlin. You started seeing him being used differently and you've seen him turn into the player that we see today. And I'd like to say, I know there are a lot of people out there that like to complain about John Hines, but I think if you look at what he's done with Granlin, you see 
what Heinz is good at, and that's finding what players can do effectively and getting them to do that job. And you see him come up into the uh, spotlight a little bit as a player once Heinz is on board, and you've seen him really take off since he's kind of been able to have a few seasons with Heinz coaching him, and he has. He's he's wearing an A. Um, he shows everybody every night what it looks like to go hard at both ends of the ice. I don't think there's anything to complain about from him. He's incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you are going through a quote-unquote competitive rebuild or, you know, whatever in the world you want to call this stage the Predators are in, you need players like Mikhail Granlund. And we talked about this a little bit last week uh, with Eckholm. You and I had recorded that show, I think, the day before he re-signed. So kind of made our conversation, obviously. But we said the same thing. It's like, that's a guy... Even if you want to get the roster younger and maybe a little bit cheaper, you still need good guys to have on the ice and in the locker room who can kind of step in and mentor some of these up and coming players, not just, you know, by taking them under their wing in the locker room or answering their questions, but by being on the ice with them and showing them, hey, this is how you make the best of this situation. This is where you go if this happens. And I think Granlin's a perfect guy for that. Well, you've got you've got Ekholm on the defensive side of it, and I think you've got uh, Granlund on the offensive side of it, and I think that kind of rounds things out very well. You can never take away anything from what those guys are doing on the ice and say that they're not doing what they need to be doing. So uh, I'm happy with the way things have kind of shaken out. And yeah, we mentioned that we thought Matthias Ekholm would be signed and locked up long before anything ever happened with Forsberg, and it came true the next day. It did. So yeah. there's your prophecy, folks. Look at that. We are. Should- some kind of geniuses. Should we get a uh, deck of Predators tarot cards? Put that on the market? No. No. We what? don't need to bring that kind of evil into the world. I mean, we are looking for sponsors, so... That's true. So if you are a tarot card company that <laughs> wants to put hockey players on it, then let us know. We'd be happy to uh, talk about it a lot, because contrary to what you may have just heard me say, it is an outstanding idea. Yes, unless no one sponsors us. In that case, it's total trash. Yeah, garbage. Uh, your your money will dictate which way we go. That's true. I can be bought very easily. All right. There's there's one thing that stood out to me that I thought was weird. And Sean, I want to get your take on it. Uh, in the Carolina game, it didn't seem like there were any defensive pairings. Uh, they kind of just played five guys rotating into two spots throughout the night. I mean, we saw Yossi with Fabro for a while. We saw Ekholm with Fabro. Uh, we saw both Carrier and Myers kind of jump up and play with each of the two guys. And then Mark Borvietsky was just kind of, a, you know, an extra guy. Um, it, it was noticeable. I mean, both the Carolina and the Nashville announcers made mention of it. Now, on one hand, I can appreciate that, you know, maybe you don't know who's going to go where and you have five talented people that can kind of rotate in and out of different roles. But on the other hand, defense especially, I think, is a place where, here's that word again, Sean, chemistry becomes Mm. key. Um, Because you need to know in the defensive end where your partner is going to be. Um, you need to know if you, you know, go chase a puck behind the net, you need to know that guy is going to have your back step into your space a little bit. 
Uh, if you're going to push forward, you know, maybe make a play on the ice. You need to know your defenseman partner is going to fill in and, and kind of hold down the fort while you have an offensive adventure. And that's not really something you can do by changing partners every five seconds or so. No, it, but you know, I, I gotta say that I, I feel like a lot of that comes from you end up with a defender in the penalty box for whatever reason. Clearly you're, 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 you're going to have to shift around your personnel at that point. And if you end up with uh, you know, a line, for example, on the offensive side or a pairing, for example, on the defensive side, um, that gets switched up. And for whatever reason, they're off cycle for a few cycles or until you could get a break for the guys to catch their breath. It just, it, it, you know, you go with what you have. And if it's working, if you see something that works, you say, well, let's stick yeah. with this. Yeah, and I obviously. think that's okay. I don't think it's anything to expect every night. I just think it was yeah. guys got off cycle and it just worked out that way. Yeah. I mean, obviously it happens, but it, it seems like that was, and I don't know if anybody asked Heinz about it. Um, or, or if it might have been that, but it seemed planned almost. Like even after long stretches of even strength play, it seemed like they were still kind of tinkering back and forth, moving guys in different spots. So I, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And you know, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I feel like tonight's game uh, against LA and the next game against the New York Rangers. I think what happens, those two might give us a better idea of maybe not long-term personnel, but maybe the identity of where, how Hines wants to utilize some of his talent. No, and I think that's probably the case. And I'll go ahead and admit, look, I, I was at the game against the hurricanes. I was uh, solo with my two children and, uh, it didn't allow me to pay as much attention as I really would have liked to, to the game being there, um, you know, not just as a fan, which is what I was there as that night, but as someone who, you know, does do spend a t- good amount of time talking and writing about hockey to really see what was going on with those defensive pairings. But, um, you know, I, I think what you said, yeah, looking at the next couple of games, probably a better idea of, of what things are going to look like for the next 15, 20 games. So, I'm curious to see what happens tonight for sure. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what happens against New York as well, because I think there'll be a little bit, I think things will settle. Um, And I think a lot of, you know, some of the shifting that we've seen, you can really attribute just to, we're just trying to see where people fit in and trying to see what we have and think, see how things work in a game. And if you look at the preseason and the way that you're still cycling through um, extra players on the roster, you know, it's really hard past a scrimmage like that to replicate a game. And so if you're looking at a competitive rebuild season, I think it's perfectly within reason to assume that you might use the first few games just to tool around a little bit and see what you got. For sure. And I mean, this seems like a learning experience just because the roster is so new. It seems like a lot of guys aren't really sure where they fit in yet. Uh, So it should be interesting to see moving forward. Speaking of roster shakeups, Sean, uh, the Predators made a roster move, uh, I guess, technically Sunday, officially yesterday. Uh, Cody Glass, who, of course, was the centerpiece of the Ryan Ellis trade, uh, being sent to Milwaukee. And instead, Tommy Novak, who has been a absolute peach to watch with the Admirals, 
uh, has developed into a fantastic playmaker. So excited to see him. Glass, I think, is something that's gotten a lot of reaction online. Where, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have an open end to this, Sean. What, okay. what do you think of Cody Glass going down to Milwaukee? Okay, so you know, I think you like me and like everybody, um, we were alerted to some kind of movement on that front via people who pay attention to cat friendly, kind of saying, "Oh, hey, look, it says here that uh, Cody Glass got moved down," and of course that ignites the firestorm of comments and hot takes and people spiraling out of control. And I I tried to be, you know, I I get excited when things like that happen, but I try to calm down and say, you know, I think there's going to be a chance for people to talk to uh, the team tomorrow and see what they say. So uh, here's, here's what John Hines said today when he was asked about it. I'm going to read this. If you don't mind, it's going to take me a hot minute because it's quite a bit, but here's what Hines said when he, when he was asked. So Let's talk about that in the context of, of why the, why we're being told the decision was made. We had a good talk with Cody. We think that he's been pretty good in preseason and in the first couple games. But with the amount of minutes that he was playing, then I think coming into a new organization that he just needed a little more time. He's a really smart offensive player, puck distributor, good power play guy. And I think when you have young guys that are in the lineup of that style of player, sometimes they're really ready to get a lot of touches and maybe come in through preseason. And you got some points and you got some mojo to your going to your game. I think the confidence level and decisions with the puck are there. So we had a good talk with him yesterday. We feel like he's going to be a real important guy for us. But right now, what's best for him is to be able to go play in Milwaukee, play top line center minutes, play first power play minutes, get some touches and be able to produce and play a big role, work on his face offs and get himself up and running a little bit better. Then when he does that, then you're going to get a player that's coming back in with some confidence and some substance to his game that's ready to come and perform the way that we know he can perform and he wants to perform at this level. So he understands it and he thinks that it would be a good opportunity for him. And that was a decision we made and we came to an agreement with him. We think it's what's in the best interest of the player right now in order for him to be able to come back and help us. And I think it's important, too, that you don't wait too, too long. There now maybe it's 10 games, 15 games, 20 games, and the player has been out or doesn't have the confidence or production level. Maybe you wasted time where we didn't want to waste time because we got him for a reason. We believe in him and every player goes through a different process to get to the level they need to get to. But that's what we all felt was best for Cody for the near future. Now, Nick, let me say this. I look back at conversations I've had with John Hines. I look back at conversations I've had with Milwaukee head coach Carl Taylor. And it makes a lot of sense when you view it through this lens. Cody Glass is someone who hasn't spent any time in the Preds organization except for at the NHL level. And the the real secret weapon, I think, of this organization right now is Carl Taylor. And I can't I can't say enough good things about Carl Taylor as a coach, as someone who develops players and can meet players where they are and help them become the player that they need to be to have their best chance for success at the NHL level. And I don't know what Cody Glass got from the, the Vegas organization on that front. I have no idea. I don't, I'm not familiar with that organization. But what I know is that in conversations I've had with Carl Taylor, I know that he's going to go to Milwaukee and he is going to get that opportunity to play first line center minutes and have first power play unit minutes. And and that's something that you just can't get at the NHL level with this organization right now without 
actually playing as the first line center and on the first power play unit. And they don't have the ability to do that for him. They can send him to Milwaukee and he's not just getting the minutes he needs, but he's getting the coaching that's going to allow him to come back and be productive and be the player they want him to be. So I, I don't necessarily think, and I know I've been talking for a long time and I apologize. But oh, you're doing great. I, my thing is this. This isn't some knee-jerk reaction where they just said, oh, this is not going to work. We're sending him down. This is not a demotion. This is an opportunity for him to go and work with someone who I think is absolutely fantastic and incredible at working with prospects and to add the layers to his game and work on the things that he needs to work on to where he can come back and be the center that they need him to be in, you know, 10, 15 games, as opposed to uh, we're going to sit him down for the whole season and just see what happens. I don't think he's being placed in a development hell. I think he's being given a really good opportunity. He's being sent down there with the intent purpose of working with Carl Taylor and coming back soon, ready to go. Now, I agree with everything you said, uh, but I am going to add a devil's advocate. Please and do. And this is just my personal opinion, because I've gone back and forth about this. I 100% agree with everything you said. At the same time, this was pitched as a year where the Predators are going to, I, I guess, take the leash off of their youth. You know, this is going to be a year. It's a competitive rebuild that some of the younger guys were going to be able to make mistakes and kind of have a chance to screw up without having to look over their shoulder every night. So from that context, this is a perfect year to Cody Glass for Cody Glass to come in and he doesn't even need to get, you know, top six minutes. Um you know, even 15 minutes a night on a third line would would still kind of get his feet wet and have him play against NHL competition. And more importantly, find chemistry with, you know, somebody like Philip Tomasino, who, you know, he's got his own stuff we're going to talk about in a second. But it's a chance for him to kind of get chemistry with, you know, some of the guys he might be playing with long term, because it, it certainly seems like the Predators see him as a one C or at least a top, you know, one of your top two centers moving forward. So from that standpoint, um, I am a little bit more hesitant on this move, but at the same, I I get it. And and we're going to talk about this with Tomasino a little bit. You know, if, if you're not going to get the minutes you need, I I 100% agree. Milwaukee's the best place. I think my just question is, well, why isn't he getting the minutes he needs in Nashville? So let me, let me say this. And I know what you're saying. If we're still talking about this at the, like the 40 game mark, then I'm probably going to come over to your, to your devil's advocate line of thinking. (laughs) But I feel like you're not looking at a long-term stay in Milwaukee. That's, that's what I'm thinking is I don't think this is we're sending him down. He's going to be down there for a while. We'll, we'll look again in a, in a couple of months or, you know, in, in 40 games or so. I, when I talked to John Hines the last time, which I think was after the last preseason game, uh, one of the things he said was that he felt very fortunate that he was able to send guys to Milwaukee because 
those two organizations, the Milwaukee Admirals and the National Predators, are 100% on the same page. They have conversations daily about the players that are in that system, talking about where they are, where they need to be, and what they need to do in order to get there and how close they are to getting there. Um, the, the systems that are in place are the same, and so you can learn it from Carl Taylor. You can learn it from John Hines, which you're going to be learning the same thing. And I think that you, you send him down, and I don't like the, that, that statement or that word down because it's right. very negative, but you send him to Milwaukee and give him a week or two there, and then you bring him back. And I think you're going to see a player who's much more ready to go. I hope that's the case because I do want to see Tomasino get more of, I mean, not Tomasino. I do want to see Cody Glass get more of an opportunity uh, to make an impact on the main roster. So we'll have to see about that. The other piece of that equation is Philip Tomasino. Uh, There was some stuff made about him being a healthy scratch in the Preds second game. And again, I think this is sort of a situation where you can kind of look at two sides of this. What was what was the one thing we said, Sean, at the beginning of this year where that was going to be key to Tomasino on the main roster? I'm drawing a blank. I've consistency. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you consistency. Like, you know, like uh, yeah. I don't know what you're asking. I'm sorry. I'm... We said if it was going to work for Philip Tomasino, he needed to play every night or or close to every night. He needed top line minutes or at least, you know, somewhere in the 14, 15, 16 minute a night range with, you know, some good special teams time. And he needed the freedom to know that he can go out there and have a bad game and not be looking over his shoulder at who is the next person coming in. Yeah. You know, I, I feel, I think we're just, I think we're making a a, a rush to judgment here after two games. I think you can attribute a lot of this to, Okay, we want obviously they wanted to see another game out of Cody Glass before they made a decision. Right. And they did that and they wanted him playing at center. You can play Tomasino at center, which is, you know, maybe that's something they're looking at. I don't know, they're bringing in Novak. He's probably going to play center. But, you know, they pulled him out for one game. They put Grimaldi in. They wanted to see how, I'm assuming, how Glass worked with Grimaldi, um, a little bit different style of player. Um and in order to do that, they felt like sitting Tomasino for a game was their best option. And I don't think it's the the craziest decision in the world. Again, it's early. They're seeing which tools they have in the toolbox and what those tools can do. Um, again, if we look that if we look forty games down the road and he's sitting every other night, then yeah, maybe we got a problem. But I think you'll see that he starts playing consistently and on an every game basis, starting here after. Yeah, well, maybe starting tonight. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see the point. But the point I was trying to make was if consistency is not going to happen, then he needs to be in Milwaukee. He he can't be somebody who winds up playing 41 games this season. No. Uh, or, you know, kind of this thing where he goes out there, plays, you know, the, the first period, half the second, and is kind of a fringe guy in the third. He needs to play like he is one of the top six guys on that team. And if that's not going to happen, I would much rather see him in the Admirals first season, maybe playing with Cody Glass for a little bit 
and just, you know, getting that experience, you know, and if he scores like, you know, we might, we might have an Alexander Radulov situation where he goes to Milwaukee, just tears the world apart for a little bit and then comes back mid season and just, you know, is all of a sudden in a huge groove and he's able to help out the predators. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. And if that's, if that's what needs to happen, that's what needs to happen. I just, I feel like you're going to see a play out that he does his developing at the NHL, NHL level this season, and they're going to try to start playing him more. Right. Well, either way, it's certainly something to watch for the Predators. Uh, coming up in just a second, you guys are definitely going to want to stick around for this. Uh, crazy Charlie Sonye. He, he is the ringleader, the trench master of Renegades of Puck. Uh a wild guy to have on the show. We are happy to have him. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new Renegades of Puck TV. Also get his thoughts on the Predators season. But first, as we Ooh. always do, we have some trivia to get to. Sean, you ready? I'm ready. So as we unfortunately know, the Nashville Predators gave the Seattle Kraken their first NHL win. Do you remember... Which NHL team gave the Predators their first ever NHL win? Going to give you guys a second to think about it. We'll come back with the answer and Crazy Charlie after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Before the break, I asked you, since the Seattle Kraken got their first win against the Nashville Predators, who did the Nashville Predators get their first win against? Sean, want well, to take this home? Yeah, you know, I I know the answer, and I don't want to just give it out right now, but I'd, I'd really like to hear. We've got, you know, we're introducing our special guest, and I want to That's see right. if, if he can answer it before we give it away, because I feel like this is a guy that knows the answer, and I don't think he's going to let me down. So can we go ahead, and, and you want me to introduce this man? Go ahead, Sean. Okay, I, I'm excited to be sitting here today with uh, Crazy Charlie Sonye, who I first came to know over the radio at the show Renegades of Puck. And uh, he's got an exciting new project he's coming on today to talk to us about called Renegades of Puck TV. And uh, Charlie, um, you can introduce yourself if you'd like, but as you do it, go ahead and see if you know the answer to that question. Well, since I was a student at Clemson University right about the time that the Nashville Predators came into the league and the only hockey I had access to following happened to be played in the state just above me in North Carolina, I think it just happens to be the Carolina Hurricanes, the same team. Ding, 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 ding. Joke in their entire arsenal. Yes, indeed, the Carolina Hurricanes. I wish they were still the Hartford Whalers. Put that one on a banner, fellas. Well, especially after the uh, the Twitter back and forth, uh, the Canes account has had with the Preds account this week for for no reason whatsoever. 
Yeah, I, was lo- I always look forward to the rivalry between the Canes and the Preds happening and one day having a uh, Winter Classic at Neyland Stadium, the Battle of I-40. But just Twitter alone in the last uh, 16, 17 games between the two franchises has led me to believe that now I'm, I'm just bailing on my plan, fellas. The NHL could break a record 100,000-plus at Neyland Stadium. I'm no longer interested because I can't take any more banner jokes. I just can't take it anymore. Yeah, we can move on to uh, fans throwing uh, stuff on the ice jokes at the Neyland Stadium Winter Classic. <laughs> Or, or is that too soon? Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> I, I, look, I grew up. I grew up in the Bay Area of California. I mean, if you're not throwing batteries, you're not really throwing anything. So I say, guys, I'm from Jersey. I've seen just about everything that you could possibly throw onto a playing surface be thrown, and usually it ended up being celebrated. So I exactly. understand it's a bad look for any fan base, but we've seen it all in every sport at every level, unfortunately. And uh, some of that behavior from fans, you know, you get them all riled up. Uh, you get them emotionally invested to a point where it means more than uh, anything else in their life. And these types of things happen from time to time. I don't condone it. should never happen. But it does happen. It's happened across the spectrum of sports. And unfortunately, it's going to happen again. Probably, Probably right. But you know what? Let's talk about some good throwing. Charlie, you are throwing all your effort into a fantastic new project, Renegades of Puck TV. Everybody kind of grew up knowing about Renegades of Puck and the work you've done the past couple of years. TV, a new uh, adventure for you guys. Look, guys, it's really easy to understand exactly why it came to this. I am a radio guy through and through, and I loved my time on the radio. But the world is moving past AM Sports Talk Radio. I wish it wasn't that way. I could have lived in that universe forever. But where it is moving to is exactly where the Renegades of Puck are entrenching themselves fully right now, which is video, which is on demand, which is YouTube, shorter videos, better presentations. And that's exactly what we're looking to do at Renegades of Puck TV. Look, I was very comfortable as the captain of the Renegades in the trenches doing a radio show at 5 a.m. five days a week. But you know what? It comes time that you have to evolve. You have to grow. And frankly, the audience has been demanding more coverage, different kinds of coverage about the Nashville Predators team and about hockey in general here in Middle Tennessee for so long that really I just took it upon myself to finally step up and lead the charge. Who else besides the Renegades of Puck is going to go out there and dig those trenches right on up to 501 Broadway and start a whole new media revolution here in this town? You got me wanting to run through a brick wall right now, man. We're just getting started, Nick. I hope you got more than (laughs) one brick wall to run through tonight. Oh, multiple. Hey, one of those guys in your trenches with you. The other guy on the podcast right now, Sean. Let me tell you something about Sean C. Smith before he even gets to talk, Nick. (laughs) I recruited him. I brought him into the bunker and into the trenches. I followed his work at onthefourcheck.com. What I saw was somebody that had an incredible amount of talent and was such a promising prospect on the media landscape that I had to snatch him up before anybody else had the opportunity to get their claws into him. He is a valuable asset to me. He is a resource that I depend on on a daily basis. And the renegades of Puck would not go without the efforts from Sean C. Smith. Wow. Charlie, thank you. I you know, Nick said he wanted to run through a brick wall, and now I don't know if I want to run through a brick wall or just just cry because you've you've really touched me emotionally, and I appreciate that. Um, let me say this, and I, you know, coming into this this world of uh, hockey coverage, you know, it's not definitely not my first career, um, and it's not something that if you'd asked me ten, even you know, 
uh, five years ago, you, you see yourself doing this. I probably would have said, no, that's insane. But now I kind of find myself at the forefront of this. And I, I tell you what, my time in the trenches with the renegades is some of the most exciting time that I can spend because you feel, you feel the passion. I think so much when it comes to like an audio presentation or a video presentation, when you see the faces of the people involved with, with what you're doing and, and all talking about something you want to hear about. So I, I'm really glad that you invited me on. I'm glad that you've kept me around and I'm, I'm really excited that we're starting, starting the TV show because it's, it's definitely different than just radio. And uh, as long as people can deal with my five head, then I think we're going to be just fine. <laughs> Absolutely, Sean. And listen, it's a new presentation. It is a unique presentation. It is the essence of no half step in itself. We're doing something that's never been done before. Listen, where do we fit in? The media has failed when it comes to this fan base. Ultimately, the media has failed. OnTheForeCheck.com has been one of the most reliable and consistent outlets to get Nashville Predators hockey coverage for many, many years. Multiple generations now of coverage from OnTheForeCheck.com. But I can't say the same thing for the largest of the large media outlets in town. Where are they when training camp comes around? Where are they when it comes to prospect development in camp? Why can they only set up cameras on the plaza at Bridgestone Arena when there's a Saturday night game and they don't have any other big sports stories to talk about? We fit right in the void that they have allowed to happen. Between the team and between the fan base, there is a media that has failed and the renegades of Puck are here to fill that void and we are going to do it in an entertaining way while we also educate. We're not looking to pick fights. Look, if you pick a fight with us, we will gladly jump in the trenches with you. It's not called hockey trench warfare for nothing. (laughs) So we're not looking to start trouble, but if you come to us with it, you're going to get it right back. But what we are looking to do is bring you entertaining coverage that also informs and is unafraid to speak the honest, unvarnished truth about not just Nashville Predators hockey, but hockey in general. Hockey is the most amazing sport on the planet. I mean, the renegade of puck, what is it? It's the easiest thing in the world. The fire, the fury, the passion, the glorious game itself. You take a combination of the best elements from every sport across the world and you put them all together and you put them on some steak knives and give them a war club and turn them loose for 60 minutes. Hockey is simply the greatest thing in the world and it is my distinct honor and pleasure to be talking about it. 26 years as a pro entertainer. My first game in 1979 at Madison Square Garden. Rangers 6, Flyers 3, by the way. First memory I have in my life. The night I fell in love with hockey, I've never fallen out of love with it. Do I disagree with things that go on in the game? I sure do, but that's exactly why I'm here, and that's why we have a platform with the Renegades of Puck, to deliver the fans' message and to cover the team accurately, where the media has 100% failed you. And believe me, I've been on the inside at every one of these outlets. They have failed you. Man, I'm running out of brick walls to run through. I think I'm moving on to cinder blocks now. Well, you'll be happy to hear about Renegades of Puck Masonry Services coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> one one brick at a time. One brick at a time. <laughs> brick by brick. Brick Bush, by brick, fellas. Bush, That's Bush, how we're building it. 
Well, when's when's uh, Butch Jones joining the trenches soon? Uh, you know what? He's welcome anytime. I have no problem with any football players, basketball players. It doesn't matter what sport you played. It doesn't matter where you're from, what size you are, what color you are. And none of that makes any difference. All that matters is that you love the sport of hockey and that you want to get into it. Whether it's the first time you've ever watched a game or the one millionth time you've sat down to watch a game. If it brings you joy and it gets you going the way it gets me going, then we are all on the same page as renegades of puck. So I welcome all of them. Butch Jones, you want a home? You got one in the trenches right here. Yeah, like just talking to you right now, like hearing that response, I can feel your passion about this game. And that's what I love. That's really something that I think on the forecheck and Renegades of Puck has in common. You know, I wasn't I didn't come out of the womb as a sports journalist. I got my start in hockey. My parents are from Detroit. I was watching those early 90s Stanley Cup finals runs on TV. Lo and behold, the next year. There's my own NHL team in my backyard, in my hometown. I mean, I could not get hyped for that. I was remember sitting in the crowd on the glass in those nights at the old Gaylord Entertainment Center hmm. when there was like 12,000 people in the crowd. And that's when I fell in love with the game. And that's why, you know, this is, it's it's not a job for me. Like, you know, it's some of us, not to peel the curtain behind too much but you know me and john don't get a lot of pay for this this is a part-time job so we're doing it as fans we're doing it because we love the nashville predators and that seems to be whenever i listen to you guys on renegades of puck i hear that same passion i hear people who love hockey i hear people who love the nashville predators who grew up watching this team you know maybe not grow up but have been with this team for the very start have followed them you know that's the kind of stuff that I like listening to you guys. And that's exactly what we're here to do. My original mission when I came to Nashville and the Nashville media market was to help grow the game itself and to grow hockey coverage in the media. Now, after many, many years, you guys know the efforts. I was one of the first employees. I was on day one at 1025 The Game. I was the Nashville Predators producer at one point in time. I was there long enough to get the jersey, not the pension. I worked with old play-by-play guy Tom Callahan. And, of course, everybody knows Pete Weber is who helped make me here in Nashville. My whole origin story is owed to him here in this town. So after many, many years of doing it on the radio, I know the ins, I know the outs, and I have the absolute passion and the drive to keep doing it. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get outside of the regular media bubble and start doing it in the way that I'm doing it right now. Renegades of Puck is just a totally different thing. As a matter of fact, I'm working a job totally outside of the entertainment industry to help fund what I am doing inside my number one passion, which is covering hockey. I believe the Renegades of Puck is something that's going to take off, and I bet on us. I bet on the Renegades. I built a studio in my own home. I used my own dough to do it. I asked my friends to get involved and help me with whatever they could and however they could help me out. And that's exactly what we've done. And, you know, that's why I ask for support because we've put this thing together. When I say built by Renegades for Renegades, I mean that in the sincerest way. We can make this show anything we want. We own it. Uh, it's not me. It's we. We are the renegades of Puck. I just happen to have the studio and the camera and the microphone, but I am happy to lead the coverage anywhere it needs to go. On Forecheck.com has always been such a reliable outlet, and I just want to extend this invitation, not just to everybody out there who listens, because you guys have a great reach and a great audience of the hardcore and the most sincere of Preds fans listen to On the Forecheck's work all the time. I just want to extend an invitation to those out there. 
not just individuals, but other shows, other podcasts, other websites. For far too long, you've also been put on the back burner. You have an ally and a friend here in the trenches with the renegades of Puck. When we start doing our live shows, when we start doing our open hockey mic nights, we want you guys to be a part of that. We want to promote your work. This isn't only about growing the coverage anymore. Now it's about elevating it and making it something unique that no other market in the world has. That's what we're doing here, everybody, and I appreciate you guys giving me a few minutes to ramble on about it. <laughs> hey, Charlie, no problem. And that's and that's the thing is I think your passion comes through in this and you, you take everything. Um, it's such a, a clip. I, I think the way to explain it is really just the, uh, the, the mantra maybe of renegades of puck and that's no half stepping. Um, hmm. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of that concept and how that has impacted the way you approach life? Sean C. Smith. It is my code. It is what I live by. It is as simple as when you are in the grocery store parking lot, you have to make that decision right there when you got that cart, right? You got to make that decision. Are you going to walk that cart to where it's supposed to go? Or are you going to half step your way through life? And are you going to just push it out in the parking lot and leave that for somebody else to clean up? No half stepping is the easiest concept in the world. It means even though at times it is difficult, it is the more difficult path. And I know it is. And I, I know it can be tough at times. It means going the extra mile doing the harder thing. So what if you're the hardest worker at your job? That doesn't mean you complain about the other people. That just means you go about your business as a renegade, doing the best job you can do. You go that extra mile. You go that extra step. You full step. That's why we say no half step. And as for the genesis and the origin of it, Sean C. Smith, I absolutely love you for feeding into that for me. It goes all the way back to the days of wild side wrestling in Cornelia, Georgia. Those of you who already know, you know. I had a very good career in the early part of my professional entertainment career, about four solid years in NCW slash NWA Wildside based out of Cornelia, Georgia. In the history of wrestling, it goes down as one of the hottest periods in one of the hottest buildings. You can put it up there and stack it up against any of the great runs and great errors in any companies ever. It's still shown on the internet today. It is still easy to find on YouTube. As a matter of fact, on the Renegades of Puck YouTube channel, you can find my best of VHS tape, which has been now converted over to full digital on YouTube. But when I was a wrestler known as White Trash, I went out there and you know what? I wasn't the biggest. I wasn't the strongest. I certainly wasn't the smartest or the most skilled. But I went out there every time I had the opportunity to be in that ring in front of those fans and in front of that camera. And I gave everything I had. I never walked away from a match that I lost. That's correct. Never walked away from a match that I lost. And I lost a hell of a lot of matches, fellas. It was one of the greatest time periods in my life. It was the greatest creativity period of my life. And no half-stepping was born out of that. Getting up, getting out there, taking a 500 uh, push pins and thumbtacks to the back, taking stop signs to the head, frying pans, going through barbed wire wrap tables, being set on fire. It made no difference to me. It was about no half-stepping. And I was going to answer that bell each and every day. And I've done that now for 26 plus years. The most improbable thing that ever happened was a fat kid from Jersey going on and becoming a media <laughs> sensation and having a full-on media career. But guess what, kids of Heckelman Street? 
You can talk all you want about me nowadays because you're watching me on TV right here on Renegades of Puck and you're listening on On the Forecheck and you followed my career in the ring, out of the ring and everywhere else. And just to wrap it up, fellas, no half-stepping has led me to just about everywhere. Every door is open for no half-stepping. And if you live that lifestyle and you work as hard as you can every day and you go the extra mile and you do what's right, you do what's right, that's the most important thing. You will get to where you want to be, and you will get the things that you want out of this life. You will feel so much more fulfilled if you live by the no half-stepping way. I've been doing it for over 20 years now. It's gotten me everything I've ever wanted out of this life. Uh, Sean C. Smith knows an awful lot more about me than everybody else out there, so he knows. But it goes all the way back to my days as white trash. If anybody ever wants to talk more extensively about that, as you can tell, more than excited and happy to, fellas, they're still doing three-hour podcast breaking down every single show that NWA Wildside did. I read the recaps of them, and I see that 20 years later, my work is actually being accepted and appreciated like never before. I ain't no pin-cushion jobber named White Trash. I'm suddenly a mid-carter in the hottest talent, that hottest territory of the late 90s. That's that's incredible, Charlie. And I, I want to tell you, you know, I as someone who has – I'm not going to say that I've been a diehard wrestling fan my whole life because that's not true, but I've always enjoyed wrestling from the time I was very young, watching it on, on Saturdays on TV and then kind of moving up, watching the shows when I could and trying to go to in-person stuff when I, when I could in the Bay area. But uh, you know, here's my question. And this was the surprise that I got when I really started getting into hockey and especially following hockey on Twitter was that there is a huge crossover between hockey fandom in wrestling fandom. And, and can you explain that to me a little bit? They go about it in the most intense ways. Think about it for a second. Hockey is all about doing the little things. It's incredibly physical at all times. It's fast. It's nonstop. It's hard hitting. It's exactly what pro wrestling is in each and every way. And hockey players and pro wrestlers have so much more in common than you would expect. When they sit down and they start talking, it's very much the same lifestyle. It's very unique and it's very funny. And that's a very good observation that you make right there, Sean C. Smith. And I'd like to point out the most obvious example here in our hockey viewing area. And of course, Fellow Renegade of Puck, member of the High Council of Renegades, Showtime Eric Young, former WWE superstar, now over at Impact Wrestling, and of course skates locally for the Mighty Drunks over in Antioch at the Ford Ice Center. That's a pro wrestler that just absolutely loves hockey, and most of his friends are exactly the same. It is a unique crossover that seems to blend itself well to those two sports. I don't know exactly what it is, but I do think it's all about just the fast nature of the game, the hard hitting, and the physical play that's out there. I think that that hockey players and wrestlers just easily gravitate towards each other. I think too, you know, if you notice the, the really unique thing about hockey and wrestling compared to other sports is that fans are very quick to point out when somebody isn't working hard. Um, I've seen wrestlers get booed out of the ring. <laughs> I've seen teams and players get booed off of the ice. And I don't necessarily think you see that as quickly. You don't see fans turn on somebody for lazy play in a lot of other sports. I think I think it's something that they let slide for a long time. And maybe it just has to do with the, the fans are much better at holding the players accountable 
um, for what they're actually doing out there and making sure they're getting their money's worth as it goes on. I don't know. It might be, that might be something we could try to figure out how to talk to Eric Young about that. Maybe see what he thinks. Listen, if you ever have the opportunity to talk to that dude, he's got hockey stories that will take all night to go through. You can ask (laughs) him to recount every single one of Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em VHS volumes one through 1000. He can tell you every clip from every single one of them, and he'll be happy to do so. Talk to him sometime about this he's a great great talk and he knows an awful lot about both of the subjects that we're going over right now well i i'd definitely be interested in doing that nick what were you gonna say i I was just about to say i feel like this needs to be a new episode on the on the four check podcast soon yeah yeah i'll tell you what I'm having such a good time talking to both of you right now. And I know I'm doing most of the talking and you guys are doing the listening and you're reacting the way I want you to. And you're making me feel really good and confident. You're boosting my ego so much. Uh, (laughs) Next time you want to do this, now that now that I know how to hook up with you and the bunker is up and running, man, it's operational. We can do this anytime you want. So the next time you guys want me back on the OTF, the ROP will be right there with you. I love Love it. it. Uh, one question before uh, we let you go, Charlie. Yeah, let's do. I, it. I, I gotta, I gotta get your opinion on the Predators this year. Owen to start. What have you seen from the first couple games, and what do you see the direction of this team moving forward? Well, first of all, I'm a little confused about the most recent move for the Predators, and of course, I know that you guys have have been talking about it and you've been discussing it. But Glass going down to the AHL, Novak coming up. Uh, Grimaldi getting into game two over Tomasino. I really thought that the, the idea of the competitive rebuild was going to be about giving the youth an opportunity to get out there. And I, you know, I, I'm very prone to judgments and snap judgments at that and very strong opinions. I, I kind of limited myself and I said, you know, let's let's take 10 games and look at this group. Last season was highly confusing. It was a shortened season. It was a season where you only played seven other teams in a bubble. There was a lot of changeover last season as well. The chemistry never really developed a ton of injuries. And then you have a ton more changeover coming into this season. And everything that you talked about, when you go through, look at the contracts that were signed. Granlin, Olivier, Fabro, Saros, Tolvin, and Janot. These are players that are building for the future And then two games in, look, I know it's not the results everybody wants, but what, if they were one and one, does that mean Glass stays up here at the NHL level? I'm I'm really confused about who's not on the same page here because all we've heard about is competitive rebuild and the youth coming and being part of this team. And now we see Tomasino riding the pine in game two. And listen, this is not a slight on Rocco Grimaldi. I think Rocco Grimaldi is an outstanding extra forward to have on this roster the team's not going to stay healthy everyone's not going to stay healthy and guys are going to need a night off and Rocco can come in and give you the minutes you need and go out there and and play with a lot of hustle and a lot of grit and do whatever you need him to do but I don't understand why he's in the lineup over Philip Tomasino when Philip Tomasino has maxed out what he can do at the AHL level and needs an opportunity to gain some chemistry and some confidence and grow with these guys. I hope Tomasino's back in the lineup against the Kings and against the Rangers because those are teams that he might have an opportunity to really make some solid plays against. The glass situation, maybe there's more to it than I'm currently understanding. I'm always evolving my opinions on these things as new information becomes available. But right now, I don't see how a competitive rebuild with a youth movement and glass in the AHL is making a whole lot of sense after just two games. Look, if we're at 10 games and you're saying he still looks like he doesn't belong out there, he's he's not quite up to the pace of the NHL, 
fine. I just think you pulled the trigger a little quickly on making an adjustment. 0-2 is never fun. They got two more games on the homestand. The Rangers and the Kings are both beatable teams. I know the Kings have started off 1-1 one one on the season. They put up a bunch of goals against Vegas, six of them against Vegas. But they dropped that one to Minnesota in their most recent one. And now the Preds will have a chance. So the Kings might be uh, looking ahead. They don't have a lot going on. Friday night, they're in Dallas. So Tuesday night in Nashville, depending on where they end up taking their time off, they might be looking to have more fun in town than uh, maybe play hockey. So hopefully that the Preds catch them in, in an opportune situation. Get that first victory of the season because we all know, fellas, we get more clicks, we get more replays, we get more reviews, comments, all of that stuff when the Nashville Predators come out and win. That's why I always say it's not about being a super fan. It's what's good for business. What's good for business for OTF, for the ROP, and anybody else who covers the Nashville Predators is when they win because their fan base sure does love the morning after clicking on everything when they win. That is that is no lie. <laughs> that is definitely no I'm here, lie. Hey, I'm here to tell you the truth, and I don't begrudge any of you for it. Nobody wants to hear about or read about their team when they lost, but it's important that you add the full spectrum and the full picture to it, and at times hearing the autopsy can be difficult. But look, we're not going to sit here and bury the team because they lost the game. We're going to point out what they did good, point out where they went wrong, and how they can make improvements. Sean, Brian, uh, Mosh, all of those guys, they do a great job of being very, very even about it. Listen, the results are not there yet, and I don't know if we sit here and stare at the scoreboard or if we stare at the standings all season long. I don't think anybody's going to be particularly happy or satisfied, but what's most important, and I think that you guys have written a lot of articles about this and you've had a lot of great discussions about it, is they get back to what people might remember as the predator way. They start doing the small things right. They start working hard. They start gaining that chemistry together. I think giving Mikhail Grandlin an A on his chest this year is a brilliant move by John Hines. Last year, I thought it was a gimmick just to up his trade value, putting him at center and playing him 25 minutes a night. But it turns out this is a dude that'll put his shoulder down and go to the hard and dirty areas. He doesn't say much. He doesn't chirp at all. He barely celebrates when he scores. I love the way he goes about his game out there. But I want to see the youth growing together, gaining that chemistry. The record doesn't really make that big a difference to me at the end of this season. As long as I see all of those things trending in the proper direction, I expect to see Tolvanen being easily one of the, the leaders in goals and total points on this team. He looks like he is just absolutely Fired out of a cannon, game one, ready to go. Forsberg, of course, in a contract year. If he stays healthy, can he finally hit that 40-goal mark? Like I have been saying, he is capable of doing. If he stays healthy and he's in a contract year, yeah, he's, he's fully capable. But the expectations, I have no idea if this team can squeak into a playoff spot or what they're going to do after 10, 20, 30 games. David Poyle historically makes his first move of the season around the 20-game mark when we have a full season. Eh, it could be something as simple as uh, sending Ole Jokinen or Derek uh, Rock. Roy off. Uh, you never know. It could be a small move like that or something else could be cooking. You never know with David Poyle, but competitive rebuild after two games. I'm looking at a team that looks like it's changing the concept on that already and changing the lineup. We'll see what happens after the Kings. Guys, I'm always willing to evolve. I'm always ready to talk about it, and I love the topic. Let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. Charlie, yeah. we love having you. Oh man, that makes me feel so good. Thank you guys. It's, it's, uh, you know what? It's nice to be loved and I love on the four check and I love everybody over there. And this goes all the way back. Look, may I, may I give an open love letter to on the four check very quickly give here? An open love letter. 
this goes all the way back to Dirk Hogue. Dirk Hogue took the original audio files of my interviews that I was doing with Martin Erat when I was only getting booked with him because he, quote, needed practice at his English for interviews. <laughs> Predators were in that, that time period dumping their players on me so that they could get more practice and listen. I was just getting started. I was more than happy to have those interviews. They ended up being some good conversations and a lot of fun. And if the On the Four Check database goes all the way back to those days, that is the first time any of my art interviews, segments, or radio got posted here in Nashville online was by Dirk Hogue and on thefourcheck.com. And I've always been a tremendous friend and a great ally to any generation that's been there. As you guys know, Dan Bradley was my partner on the radio for a long time. Now Sean C. Smith and Brian and anyone else on the crew that wants to contribute to Renegades of Puck TV. If you are good enough to work at on thefourcheck.com, you are good enough to be on Renegades of Puck. TV. So don't hesitate. You want to be a contributor, you jump right on in the trenches with us. You just get in touch with Sean, get in touch with Brian. They'll tell you how to find me and we'll get to it. But on thefourcheck.com has been reliably the most consistent outlet for Nashville Predators hockey coverage in this city's history and in that franchise's history. The Tennessee and Fish Rat, be damned, and anybody else who's come and gone since, they have never come even close to doing what you guys did. The only person in this town that's pissed off the Predators more than on the forecheck.com, I think, is me, myself, and I right here in the bunker <laughs> and in the trenches. So kudos to you guys for always being willing to no half-step into the coverage and go where the story has to go and report what has to be reported, even when it's as ugly as it has been at times in the past. On thefourcheck.com is my go-to place, bookmarked, and I hope you save every bit of this for a promo. Hold me to it, and I'll gladly testify on any book, in any court, in front of any deity that on thefourcheck.com is easily one of my favorite outlets and always has been. Wow. Thanks, Charlie. That's that's incredible. I, I don't can't believe I'm finally making my debut on your podcast. Yeah. Like this is I'm I'm fanning out right now. Yeah. I, I have a feeling this is like for years. I have a feeling this is not going to be your last appearance on this podcast. Mark, mark that down. Oh, I'm like taking that. over. I just, you guys, I'm, <laughs> taking, I'm, just, I'm taking over. No, fellas, truly, th this has been wonderful. And I really, I do thank you. Can I, one more thing I want to plug, and, and this fits in everything plug you it. guys are doing. Screw all the other plugs. This is the plug that matters. You ready? We are the only entity that has their own grievance line. You True. can call us, and I know phones are so out of style right now, but come on, this rules. 615-640-0916. 615-640-0916. It's the Renegades of Puck Grievance Line. It's a fully anonymous voice box set up for you, fan of hockey, to say and vent and leave a message about whatever you want. We'll take the best audio. We'll use it on Renegades of Puck TV. I've got like five or six messages that are a little bit backed up. I got one at 2.30 in the morning last night, fellas. After the 0-2 start, I don't think some people are real happy. So get on that. It's a great bit. We're going to produce videos about it, the Renegades of Puck grievance line. Just many of the things that are coming from Renegades of Puck TV. Like I said, we're going to inform, but we're also going to entertain. And we're looking to have fun with this. So... We'd love to steer it in a fun direction, so as long as everybody plays nice with us, uh, that's the direction we'll be going in. And for all you mediocre milk toast half-steppers in the actual media, uh, just go ahead and turn your mics in now, because if you don't, I'll be at your doorstep claiming them soon. Uh, I'll take that. That's good. Charlie, listen, before you leave us, and it's going to be sad when you do, because uh, we're going to have to do a lot more talking to fill up the time, 
um, without you. But um, losing the one man filibuster. It's, <laughs> that sounds like a wrestling gimmick that nobody wants of mass to distraction. It's the one man filibuster. Filibuster. Yes, you're right. I am the weapon of mass distraction. I am the one man filibuster. The yin and the yang of the universe. I can talk until no one can listen anymore. That's that's believable. Listen, can you tell the fine folks out there where they can not necessarily get involved, but at least tune in with Renegades of Puck TV? Absolutely. YouTube is where we're posting all of our videos. We are doing a behind the scenes channel and a live look at all the briefings and debriefings over on our Twitch feed. Uh, Every social media platform, we're on them. So just look anywhere you look. Renegades of Puck is where you're going to find us. And if you want to get involved, it's very easy. Renegades of Puck at gmail.com. Renegades of Puck at gmail.com. I don't care what level of hockey you play. You want to be a correspondent? You want us to talk about your hockey story, pond hockey, inline hockey, beer league hockey, high school, college? It does not matter. Hockey is hockey to a renegade of Puck. We want to tell your story. All you got to do is shoot a little bit of video, send it over to us, and give us a little detail about it, and we'll put it right on the next episode. Listen, we're going to be on six nights a week at Renegades of Puck TV, so give us a follow, check it out, and please pass it on. This is legitimately a hockey operation built by hockey fans for hockey fans, but without your support, it's going to go away, just like everything in the world does. We'll hang in there. I will make my last stand here in the bunker as long as humanly possible. If all goes well, that'll be for many, many years to come, fellas. So I look forward to talking to you right here from the bunker for many years to come and doing anything I can to help on the forecheck.com. And anyone there, you know, you have a home in the trenches with the renegades of puck. So any support, anything, listen, as simple as a like, a share, a comment, any of that, that means a lot right now to an operation that started all of seven days ago. Six weeks ago, this was just a dream and a fantasy and a vision that I had. Now it's a complete reality and we're doing shows six nights a week. Any support you can give us, it would mean the world to me. If I've ever entertained you, if I've ever made you laugh, if I've ever even given you a reason to think about hockey, please support this operation. It is my life's work. It is my life's passion. And I will deliver the goods. I will not fail you. Crazy Charlie Sonnier. What a way to close it out, man. Thank you so much. You guys are the best. I can't wait to listen to this multiple times. One, to get your play count up. Not that you need it, but two, I'm a megalomaniac, and I can't live without hearing the sound of my own voice. So I'm just going to put this thing on a loop, fellas. Hit me up with a tweet when you get it posted so I can start listening. Love it, man. Love it. Thank you, fellas. You're the best, truly. All the stick taps, love, and respect in the world to everybody over there at the crew. Thanks, Charlie. Hey, uh, you know, now that Charlie's uh, out of the way, let's take a little break, and we'll come back and end the show. Man, John, crazy Charlie. I can listen to him talk all day, right? I, uh, I'm just going to say this, and I feel like I need to apologize to everyone listening out there because not, not because of Charlie and anything he said or did, but because of the fact that he's gone now and you're left with two clowns. <laughs> we we are the milk toast he was talking about oh boy i i tell you what we're letting we're letting the people down we are letting Gosh. the people down uh we are we are half stepping we we might be quarter stepping uh, i don't uh, quarter stepping you're just gonna fall all over the place you can't a, you can't quarter step it sounds like a friday night for me though so <laughs> God.
Uh, well, you need to get your life right, Nick. I do need to get my life right. I do too many podcasts. That's probably my problem. No. Uh, well, Sean, would you like to tell the good people where they can find your work? Well, yeah, you know, I, it seems like this gets interesting every time we do this. But first and foremost, you can find me at onthefourcheck.com on the internet. Um, I'm a writer there. I My main focus is game day coverage. I'll be providing a day after recap for every game that I cover. Um, I split those home games with Brian Baston. So um, these two games coming up uh, Tuesday against the Kings and the next one Thursday, I'll be covering that one as well. Um, so you can look Wednesday and Friday for something for me um, that has to do with the game a little more in depth. Um, looking forward to writing those. Pretty excited about it. Um, you can also follow me, of course, on Twitter at SCSOTF. Um, I'll also say, and I'll just throw this out there on Twitter. I also run the Preds money on the board, um, account, which yes. is, uh, the, the charitable arm of, of my hockey coverage. And maybe we'll, we'll spend some time on the next podcast talking about that as the season gets going. Um, and of course, uh, as you mentioned, you can see me at renegades of puck TV, which you can find on YouTube. Of course you can Find those links on Twitter as well. If you follow Renegades of Puck or Crazy Charlie or me, I'll always retweet it. And every every Sunday, Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports and I have a podcast called On the Preds, which uh, we have both a video and, of course, the audio version only of the podcast. But if you want to see how big of a forehead I have, you're more than welcome to check it out. Um, which you can find that on YouTube as well. And that's just at the A to Z sports account. Whew. Nick, what about you? I should just say like one thing I'm doing and then end the podcast right there. I no, think that'd be just, hilarious. No, I want to hear uh, it all. Well, I am doing some fun work. I am the new host of Locked on Predators, along with one of our other on the four check buddies and Kimmel. Yes. Uh, I am having a blast putting those out every morning. Sean, I know you listen to them. I Our do. OTF crew listens to them. Uh, me and Ann have a blast putting those out. Uh, it goes off the rails a lot, which we love. Um, but other than that, you can also find my work at on the four check. Uh, I try to put out an article every week. I'm not doing recaps this year. You and Brian got that on lock. Uh, but I am making a couple of points. I did one today about Cody Glass, uh, and then my opinion drastically changed on that about 30 minutes after that article came out. Uh, but some fun stuff, fun work. Uh, you can also find me at Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. If there's anything you want us to talk about on any of my podcasts or something you want me to write about, have any questions, want to say hi or tell me I suck hit me up on Twitter. I'll probably respond. Hey, you know, let me just say this. And this, this occurred to me and I don't, I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to, to, to jump the shark here or just jump into your time. Um, you know, I, it occurs to me, you know, you said that, that you put an article out about Cody glass and your opinion changed 30 minutes afterwards drastically. <laughs> and, and I want to say this is that all of this stuff about Cody glass and, and Heinz comments came out at a time when I literally could not, even if I had to put out an article or write anything about it. And I felt called to do it immediately. 
And I, I think it's important. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Charlie kind of touched on this when he was with us is that um, there is not a single person at on the four check, not a single one no, of us that, that this is our primary job. This is a, this is a part-time passion for a lot of us. And I think that the collective work that we put in, you know, shows a full-time commitment. And I think it's, it's difficult because, you know, there's, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from anybody else, but you know, sometimes you're like, well, I, how come you didn't, you know, you have these opinions about Cody glass. Why don't you put anything out about it? Literally working at my other job. Um, and, you know, add to that coaching little league teams and, and just other commitments. Um, sometimes it doesn't allow for it. And so, I'm, I'm jealous sometimes of the guys that get paid to do this full time um, because I think that would be a really interesting, interesting career for me. But um, as it stands, you know, got to pay the bills and paying the bills means working my full time career job that I went to college for. I'm an English teacher. So, um, you know, I'm I'm happy in that because one of the things that allows me to do is show my students that you can do some pretty cool stuff with writing. It can take you a lot of cool places. And that's led me to have a lot of really awesome conversations with my students about like, hey, you know, I talked to you about writing and why it's important, but let me show you how I'm actually putting it into use and doing something and, and being allowed to engage with a, a sport and a team that I really enjoy. And I think it's, I think it says a lot. I mean, granted, we're not all English teachers, but we're all doing something else. And then this is something that we love to do. And I hope that passion shows through um, when we do things like these podcasts, which we're staying up late to do, or when we write an article, which we may get up early to write or record a podcast, which we may take some time, um, you know, on the weekend or like you're doing every day to make that happen. Um, and it's it's nice to have the opportunity to do that. And I just wanted to say that it just it just kind of hit me as we were talking about it. Uh, can I ask a question? Sure. Uh, can I stay at your house? Because my house has no more brick walls. Oh, I have, I have run through all four of the brick walls tonight. So I'll, I'll tell you, you know, last season when we were doing the radio show every morning, um, ran out of brick walls the first week. <laughs> I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean... there's nothing I would, I would get up at four forty-five. Um, and I would get in the shower and I'd go ahead and, and turn the radio show on so I could hear what they were talking about beforehand. And usually by the time I was, I was ready to be on the air, I was so hyped up. I could barely contain myself. Yeah. It's passion, man. I mean, that's, that's why we do it. It's because we love the Preds. We love talking with you guys at, at home, listening in. Uh, we, we don't care if three people download this podcast or 3000. Uh, we love every piece of support we get. Uh, we love it because it's fun and we love yeah. it because it allows us to interact with other Preds fans. And, you know, half of the time, you know, somebody will back us up and, and give some uh, give us some good points, get some good pointers, you know, and sometimes a lot of people disagree with our takes or, or not like what we're talking about. And I love hearing that, too. You know, I love people who have a different opinion than me, um, you know, for hockey stuff, I should specify. Um, but. <laughs> But but no, I mean, I love the feedback I get from from everybody, um, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to this as much as we love doing it. Uh, a long season ahead, and, and we're looking forward to bringing you some more great content. 
And I, and I'm, I'm, I think we're going to be a lot more regular this season. And, and let me say this, you know, I mentioned the fact that this is none of our full-time jobs and that while this may pay some bills for us, it certainly doesn't pay all the bills. And where you might hear that and think, oh, these guys are amateurs, I think we take it very seriously. And I think you have to know that anything that we're doing, whether it's a podcast or an article, this is being written from a perspective or recorded from a perspective of fiery passion. And I would never say, and I'm not going to say because it's not true, that any of the guys that do this full time and do this for a living, that this is just a job to them. Because I sit next to these guys at games. I go to media sessions with these guys. I talk to these guys. I become friends with these guys. They're good people. They work very hard. And I would never take anything away from them on that. Um, I want to make sure they understand that and that anyone listening understands that too. (laughs) The thing for me is that um, I wish I had more time to dedicate to it. And I don't even mean that from a perspective of I wish I got paid to do it full time. I just wish I had more time that I could do this. And I think one of the sadder things is that I I do have some time off in the summer, but that's typically when there's no hockey. And so (laughs) those two things don't line up. Yeah, those two things don't line up the way I necessarily want them to. But I, I hope anybody who reads our stuff or listens to this can tell that this is something we do because we love doing it. Exactly. And I think that's a perfect point to uh, to lead us on. Man, it seems like we tried to sign off like 10 minutes ago. Sorry, I just I, we felt, just I felt compelled. But I love it. Beautiful, beautiful words, Sean, uh, really. And, and I echo the sentiment. Love what I do. And I love that you guys support us. So thank you, everybody uh, who downloads, who listens, who tweets us, uh, who comments on our on the four check articles. We love you guys. Keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, and, and until then, we'll see you. We got hockey tonight and the rest of the week. So and it should I, be I, lots of fun stuff. I can't wait. And and look, if you listen to this, say something on Twitter. I mean, we're on there all the time. Just give us a shout out. Tell us, just give us a little message of support. Retweet it. Let somebody else know, hey, if you want to hear good Preds talk, this is a place to hear it. I'm, I'm covering the game Tuesday and Thursday. If you're going to be there, come by and say hello. Uh, I'd be happy to talk to you. Awesome. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your week.